You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Heart Matters, where leading cardiology experts explore the latest trends, technologies, and clinical developments in cardiology practice. Your host for Heart Matters is Dr. Janet Wright, Senior Vice President for Science and Quality for the American College of Cardiology. At the time of an acute myocardial infarction, many patients also present with elevated blood sugar levels. What glucose control strategies are most effective? And are glucose-lowering therapies always recommended for patients with acute MI and elevated blood sugars? Our guest today is Dr. Mikhail Kosoboro, Associate Professor of Medicine at the University of Missouri-Kansas City and cardiologist at St. Luke's MidAmerica Heart Institute in Kansas City, Missouri. Welcome, Dr. Kosoboro. Thank you, Janet, very much for the opportunity to chat about this very important topic. I appreciate it. We know that it's not unusual for folks with an acute MI to have an elevated blood sugar. What is up with that? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. And uh, it's actually a condition that occurs very, very commonly. And uh, almost regardless of what study you look at, it's been demonstrated by both our group and other investigators. It really is something that happens in almost every other patient you see with the myocardial infarction. Uh, so somewhere between uh, 45 and 50% of patients that present with acute MI have that issue, elevated blood sugar. Surprisingly, not all of them have diabetes. You would think that the majority of those patients will be patients with diabetes, but actually a very large number of those patients never been diagnosed with diabetes at that point in time. So it's a very common issue, and it's also something that has very significant prognostic implications. You know, as demonstrated by us as well as others, again, there is definitely a very strong relationship between elevated blood sugar levels and higher risk of dying, both in the hospital as well as longer term in patients who are experiencing myocardial infarction and have elevated blood sugar in that setting. And so with the awareness that patients with an elevated blood glucose in that setting are at increased risk of death, there's been a great deal of attention directed toward treatment of those folks. What therapies have been used and what's proven to be the most effective? Right. The biggest question here is, of course, is elevated blood sugar, it's kind of a chicken or an egg question, Mm -hmm. right? As uh, frequently we deal with uh, those types of questions in medicine, is elevated blood sugar, is it something that actually causes harm to patients? Is it directly harmful? Is it a direct mediator of bad outcomes? Or is it just something that is simply a marker of uh, sicker patients. It certainly is true that if you look at profile of, of patients that have elevated blood sugar, elevated blood glucose, those are the patients that have more comorbidities, uh, that have bigger myocardial infarctions, and in general, are sicker, more of them are in cardiogenic shock and so forth and so on. And so one issue that has kind of been difficult to disentangle is whether elevated blood glucose is actually directly harmful or not, or whether it's just a marker. And as a logical conclusion of that will then lowering blood sugar actually improve patient outcomes. There there have been a lot of kind of human and animal studies that show multiple different mechanisms through which elevated blood sugar can cause harm to patients with acute MI. And some of those things, just to give an example, are increasing platelet aggregation and kind of activating the coagulation cascade, increasing pro-inflammatory markers, and 
generation of free oxygen radical species. And all of those things can be very harmful in the setting of an ischemic myocardium. But at the end of the day, what you really have to do to demonstrate is that doing something about blood glucose is actually helpful to patients is a clinical experiment, what we call randomized clinical trials, right? Unfortunately, that is one area in this uh, scientific field that has not been well developed. We have not had a lot of really appropriately sized and well-designed and well-conducted clinical trials to actually demonstrate whether lowering blood glucose improves patient outcomes. And there have been some trials that have been done so far, and they offer very mixed results, and so we still don't have a definitive answer to that. Now, the problems with the clinical trials essentially have been that they uh, were generally small and probably underpowered to show a difference in patient survival, and they have been plagued by multiple kind of metallurgical problems, part of which includes a lot of the trials, for example, have not been able to achieve a substantial contrast in glucose values between intervention and control arms. In other words, patients that were receiving interventions to lower blood glucose did not, you know, those interventions for one reason or another didn't lower it enough. Or maybe the conventional therapy arm received better care than uh, what the investigators would have predicted. So at the end of the day, in a lot of these studies, there was not a substantial enough difference in glucose control to actually demonstrate whether glucose control works and improves patient outcomes. Some studies suggested that there may be a benefit in patient survival. Those studies were generally older, like the original Degami studies that was done now almost 15 years ago, uh, published almost 15 years ago. Some of the later studies have been more neutral, but again, had a lot of methodological problems. So at the end of the day, if you look at patients with acute myocardial infarction and elevated blood sugar, we still don't have a definitive answer, and it's a big gap in knowledge that clearly needs to be addressed, in my opinion, is that we need this large, well-designed, randomized clinical trial to address this issue specifically. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Janet Wright. Our guest today is Dr. Mikhail Kosoboro, Associate Professor of Medicine at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and cardiologist at St. Luke's Mid-America Heart Institute in Kansas City, Missouri. We're discussing glucose control after acute myocardial infarction. Mikhail, you had a study published in JAMA back in April of 2009 examining hypoglycemia, so low blood sugar, and mortality for patients hospitalized with an acute MI. What did you learn in that study, or first sort of set the study up for us? Sure. The real problem is that we know that elevated blood sugar, elevated blood glucose is common in patients presenting with acute MI. It's also associated with worse patient outcomes, including increased mortality. What is not known for sure is whether as I'm going ahead and intervening in that elevated blood sugar and lowering blood glucose actually will improve patient survival and improve patient outcomes. Uh, the randomized clinical trials have really been very few and had a lot of methodological problems in an acute MI population and have not given a definitive answer on that. One of the concerns that has been raised recently is whether uh, medications that can be used to lower blood glucose in the setting of acute MI, and there is really only one right now that is effective in doing that in hospitalized patients, which is insulin usually administered as intravenous infusion. Uh, there was a concern that uh, this particular type of intervention, intravenous insulin infusion, in patients with acute myocardial infarction, while lowering blood sugar can lower it a little too much and cause a condition called hypoglycemia, low blood sugar. 
And uh, there were some studies uh, that came out in the past few years suggesting that not only high blood sugar is harmful or is associated with bad outcomes in patients with acute MI, but low blood sugar does the same thing. It's also associated with high risk of dying in the hospital and uh, high risk of complications. So it was kind of a double-edged sword of sorts. So essentially it was kind of a J-shaped or U-shaped curve between glucose values for both high blood sugars and low blood sugars associated with increased risk to the patient. What wasn't clear is whether a low blood sugar by itself is actually causing these bad outcomes in patients or whether low blood sugar is just a marker, again, for sicker patients. Because right. while we all know that patients who are critically ill, one of the harbingers of death can be low blood sugar. And so what we did in the study was try to understand better whether low blood sugar is actually directly harmful to patients with acute MI or whether it just appears to be a marker for sicker patients and it's not the low blood sugar itself that actually kills them. The reason why that is important is because if we kind of assume for a moment that lowering blood sugar can be helpful in patients with acute MI because we don't want them to have high blood sugar, which again is associated with high mortality, then we almost by default have to accept at least a small possibility that we may be causing some hypoglycemia because even the best protocols in the world that lower blood sugar, even the ones that are the safest, may cause some hypoglycemia. And if, in fact, hypoglycemia is what is directly harmful, then we have to really think twice before lowering blood sugar in patients, even with safe and effective protocols. You know, on top of that, even though the data is really inconclusive and we don't have a definitive clinical trial, the professional societies, including American Diabetes Association and ACE, which is the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists, are currently recommending to intervene and, in fact, lower blood glucose in a very conservative fashion in patients who have severely elevated blood sugar. And now, whether that's going to eventually pan out to be the strategy that we're all going to be using or not, it still remains to be determined. And again, as I said, we need clinical trials to prove that, but that's what the professional societies recommend as of right now. So it's important for us to understand that if we, in fact, do that, do what's recommended, and try to, in a conservative fashion, lower blood sugars, whether causing hypoglycemia, which is almost unavoidable even with conservative therapy and good protocols, whether that's something that's going to be directly harming patients. So that's kind of the prelude to the study. Now, how do you do that? Unfortunately, you can't do a randomized clinical trial of hypoglycemia, right? I mean, we're not going to artificially causing hypoglycemia in patients with a heart attack. That would not be ethical or wise to do. And so you have to study it in an observational fashion. And the only way to kind of distill that particular issue, whether low blood sugar is directly harmful or not, is to separate patients into those that have what we call spontaneous hypoglycemia. In other words, those patients who develop low blood sugar without receiving any medications like insulin, and then separately look at a group that received insulin for high blood sugar and developed hypoglycemia following that. So something we would call iatrogenic hypoglycemia. The treatment overshot the need for insulin and reduced the blood sugar. It reduced it too much, exactly. Right, right. So what we did in the study is we took patients that were all hyperglycemic to begin with because they had elevated blood glucose on admission to the hospital because those are the only patients that you would really even consider using insulin infusion to lower their glucose, right? There is no reason to lower blood glucose in patients who have normal blood glucose to begin with. So we took those patients and then separated them into those who had low blood sugar following admission and those who didn't. And if you just look at that, if the patients came in with high blood sugar but then developed low blood sugar after admission, those patients did, in fact, have a higher risk of death in the hospital. But then when we look at it separately in patients with, again, what I call spontaneous hypoglycemia, those who develop low blood sugar without receiving any insulin, and you look at that group, that group actually had double the mortality in the hospital as compared to patients who did not develop hypoglycemia. 
But if you look at patients who developed hypoglycemia after receiving insulin, their mortality was identical to those who received insulin and did not develop low blood sugar afterwards. So what that suggests is that, at least in the acute MI population, hypoglycemia and its association with high mortality, with high risk of death, is really appears to be due to the fact that sicker patients get hypoglycemic. So the only real group where we saw this being really striking a relationship between low blood sugar and high mortality was in patients who developed a low blood sugar without receiving any medications that could have caused that low blood sugar. So they developed this low blood sugar, again, as a harbinger of death because they were so ill that their liver wasn't able to produce enough blood sugar or enough glucose to maintain their glucose levels. And there are multiple reasons for that. could be just the fact that they're in shock, uh, that they develop liver failure, they you know, have in hospital complications after acute myocardial infarctions that make them really sick and have low blood sugar. However, even when insulin therapy that was presumably administered for treating high blood sugars caused this hypoglycemia as a complication of medical therapy, a complication of insulin therapy, that didn't appear to be associated with a high risk of death. And what that suggests to me is that whenever we see this relationship between low blood sugar and high mortality, it's probably really due to just sicker patients having hypoglycemia rather than low blood sugars being directly harmful. And where it becomes important is that if we are to treat at least some patients who have really markedly elevated blood sugars with insulin infusion, you know, that gives the clinicians at least a small degree of comfort in knowing that you know, an episodic low blood sugar, while we should still do everything we can to avoid it, if it happens despite our best efforts, it does not appear to be independently or directly causing high risk of death in those patients, which I think gives the clinicians at least some degree of comfort. Yes, indeed, because the control of blood sugar in that setting of an intensive care unit, a large MI, an unstable patient, is difficult at best. Even in the best institutions, it's a management issue. Of course, yeah, no, it definitely uh, can be a challenge, and that's why I think any institution that decides to do that, you know, I think it's very important to do it in the right set of patients. It's very important to, in my view, to follow very reasonable recommendations from professional societies, which now essentially say you really only should be treating patients with severe hyperglycemia, with severely elevated blood glucose, and you shouldn't be overly aggressive in lowering their blood sugar, just uh, lowering blood glucose to conservative levels and not being overly aggressive is the right strategy, and I completely agree with that. So I think it's important to follow those recommendations, and it's important to use evidence-based protocols that have proven track record of effectiveness and safety. But even when you do all those things, uh, sometimes it's almost unavoidable that on occasion you may have a hypoglycemic event, and I think uh, the results of our study give some degree of comfort in saying that you should continue to, obviously, err on the side of safety. You should continue to minimize hypoglycemia do the best efforts that you can to control blood glucose in a conservative fashion and avoid as much hypoglycemia as possible. But if it does happen on occasion, despite your best efforts, it probably is not directly harmful in a significant way to the patients. We've been talking with Dr. Mikhail Kosoboro about glucose control after acute myocardial infarction. Mikhail, thank you so much for being our guest today. It's my pleasure, Janet. Thank you for inviting me. You've been listening to Heart Matters on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more information on this week's show or to download a podcast of this segment, please visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.